0: Good morning. Good morning. So the last few weeks we've been journeying through this series that we've called Mind. And so the challenge to us is that we are what we think, or the way that I've been thinking about this is that you receive what you believe. That's definitely true of me. I've been recognizing in myself my negative thought patterns, negative thought bias, all the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And so I'm very much on this journey. I don't have this all figured out. I'm, I'm right here with you of trying to figure out how do I think better and how do I bring my mind into conformity with the mind of Christ. So maybe you're sat here today and you're thinking, well, my mind is just so full of, of so many racing thoughts. I'm in the middle of this situation. There's this going on. You don't know my life. It's so difficult. And And maybe that's true, but I believe that God does want to speak to our minds and our hearts this morning. So I'm just going to pray, Lord God, that whatever we've brought with us, whatever is going on, whatever is racing in our minds, Lord, that you would remove distraction, that you would open the ears of our heart to hear what you have for us today, what you want to say through your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we said at the beginning of this series, for support with your mental well-being, we encourage you here at Coastline to join a life group. It's the best way to know that you're loved and part of a community of love and encouragement who journey life with you. Uh, You can also email us at at admin at Coastline Vineyard or hello at Coastline Vineyard, uh, and we'll uh, connect with you and uh, hopefully be able to uh, to meet your pastoral needs, but for anything that requires someone who's trained to deal with the mind, or for help with professional, uh, sorry, <laughs> What's this? for help with, um, with mental illness, then we encourage you to seek professional help. So, as I said, uh, at the beginning of this series, John opened up, uh, talking to us about the battle in our minds that... We are what we think, and so he helped us to think about what we think about. And so those battles that we fight in our minds, they are lost or won based on our thought patterns, and that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And then the following, Sarah spoke to us about training ourselves to hear God rather than the lies of the enemy, and to help us to step from the wilderness into God's promised land, all that he has for us. And uh, Sarah said that, did you know that your mind thinks 60,000 thoughts a day? And when she said that, my wife turned to me and said, that's why I'm so tired. (laughs) And then last week, Lance spoke to us about reframing our mind with a different perspective, changing the way that we look at something by changing its meaning. As we face our situations, and align them with God's word. So today, as we head into the final part of this series, as Sarah said, we begin with the scripture that Lance ended with last week. So we're in the book of Philippians this morning, and this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. This is uh, the Jesus community, the first one that he planted in Eastern Europe. And he's writing to the people from prison. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So when I read that, I think, I mean, this speaks for itself. Like, I could just end this message here and go and sit down. Because, like, surely it can't be that simple. I mean, how do you not worry? And I read it again. In every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So this really could be the shortest message ever, but it's not that simple, because this passage implies that we do worry. Even Lance last week was worried whether I turned to the person next to me and said, don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry, mate. I know you do the jokes. (laughs) So we are living in an era of anxiety. There is so much worry in the air. So I'm going to be speaking about anxiety at this kind of meta-cultural narrative level in the, the big picture rather than as a medical diagnosis. And that's not to reduce the significance of it, but I just want to explore and, and paint a picture for us of the time that we're living in. So if you read something like Dominion by the historian Tom Holland, then you'll get a sense that very broadly there was a time between the birth of Christianity and the Enlightenment period where the values and the ideas of the Western mind were shaped by the divine image of God in Jesus, being in all things and all spheres of society, guided by the church as a light in the darkness to provide hope and truth. And so we saw revolutions in art and music and literature and science, which came either directly or indirectly through Christianity. But in our time, the sacred has been subverted. And the influence of Christianity in all of those disciplines of art and humanities and the sciences that it built has diminished. So that we are set apart as a stereotype rather than a signpost to the Savior that the world searches on for. Moreover, Paul writes to the Colossians, see to it that no one takes you captive by a hollow and empty philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. So the ideas that orbit around us every day, which make competing claims on who you are and who you should be, can take our minds captive. If we're not transformed by the renewing of our minds, by knowing the truth as revealed by God to us through his revelation in nature, or through encounter with him, or by revealing himself to us through his word, which penetrates Soul and spirit, and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart, then we're susceptible to believe lies. So, the things which once grounded us in a knowledge of God have become so unfamiliar that the rise of anxiety at this broader societal level and depression is deeply correlated with the rise of an individualism where we're so deeply confused that this society is redefining and reorienting the soul inwards in the search for meaning when it was always designed to be directed outwards to God and to our fellow neighbor. Your soul was never designed to carry itself as the object of its affection. And so our cultural moment has turned the mind of the human soul onto itself So that what it means to be a human being and what it means to live the good life is my way, my truth, and my life. This has always been the case. But in our time, it is Genesis 3 magnified where sin enters the world and separates us from God. And so we worship ourselves and we try to find him in all kinds of counterfeits in place of him. And so the Lord's Prayer actually shows us this fracture, this problem in our human condition between God's will being done on earth, sorry, in heaven, and what's happening through the human heart on earth. I watched a video the other day where someone was talking about when you go into a a coffee shop, 15 years ago, so imagine that far back. You're standing in the queue, there's a few people in front of you, and maybe you bump into someone that you recognize, or you share an interaction with a stranger, or you're daydreaming, you're just paused for thought. But now you go into a coffee shop, and everyone's heads are down in their phone. So we're checking our emails, we're scrolling on Instagram. And because we're constantly consuming, it prevents our thoughts and our emotions from rising up to be able to process them and to problem solve. We're so distracted with an inability to pay attention. All of this, of course, coincides with the birth of the iPhone in 2007. So if you belong to a few, one of a few demographics this morning, then you'll know that at the first moment of boredom, we pull out our smartphone. And we know that people actually make money off of our addiction and our reactivity to our phones. Did you know that the average person, that's possibly all of us here, spends up to 11 years of screen time in their lifetime? And This is all painting a picture of what C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters describes as a kingdom of noise the strategy of Satan to overwhelm us with countless distractions to make us unable to hear the voice of God in silence. I wonder whether in our culture today, people process so little that we all live with a baseline anxiety which never even gets to a place of real worry, which rather than staying in it, it's the kind of concern that moves us interaction that makes a difference in our world because we're so distracted. And this all leads to what might be called the sin of assidia, which is the inability to pay attention. Now, this is not laziness. You can still be busy in this sin, but instead of stillness, it's the need to always be distracted, always searching for the new thing or the next thing, which leads to a lack of of true concern and an inability to make a positive impact in the world. And so people virtue signal instead. You can summarize this as we are oversaturated in our awareness of everything and too overwhelmed to respond. So to cope with this, psychologists tell us that we naturally avoid and we distract our attention from dwelling on negative feelings Which is why, as Lance said to us last week, a huge proportion of our time is spent invested in watching Netflix, despite the fact that it's rarely fulfilling. Now, if you don't know Jesus here this morning, this is probably sounding way too familiar. But don't worry, there is hope on the horizon. We've talked quite a bit the last few weeks about lies. There is a prince of peace. But there is also a prince of the power of the air, as Paul refers to Satan in Ephesians. And the enemy, we know, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you think about it, these three things are a recipe for anxiety. So in the midst of all of this, peace is what people are searching for. Let me tell you, I have not had... A peaceful week. Has anyone else here not had a peaceful week? Yes, quite a number of us. If you hook me up to a brain scanner, then the needles on the chart don't exactly spell out the word peace. And so this is a challenge to me. I'm preaching to myself just as much. And I've actually been attending counseling over the last year, which has been really helpful to help me understand why am I the way I am? And to reframe some lies towards truths according to God's word, which, again, Lance spoke about last week. But who here knows that even though you can be in a week that's not peaceful, you can still be full of peace? I wonder what steals your peace. Maybe it's getting stuck in traffic. Maybe it's the crying baby keeping you up at night, because I know we've got a lot of new parents in the building Maybe you're more busy now you're retired than you were before. Maybe it's wars and rumors of wars. Maybe it's your health or the health of a family member. Maybe there's pressure in your marriage. Maybe you're going through grief. Maybe the kids are having a hard time at school. Maybe there's stress in your finances or disappointment in relationships or things just haven't worked out the way that we hope. Or maybe it's just the day-to-day grind of life. So, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of peace. Maybe it's when the kids are in bed. Maybe it's when you're in the shed. Maybe it's a day at the spa or on the golf course. Or maybe going on a quality Christian holiday. You're welcome, Adam. These things are a great remedy but they are a temporary one nonetheless. Because what really restores our peace is going to the person who is peace and presencing ourselves in his presence. Or as my wife Jo said as I was preparing this message, marinating in it like a slow-cooked chicken. This passage that we've read tells us the answer. And so my first point for us this morning is that God is peace. God gives peace because he has, as an essential character of his nature, peace to give us. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This scripture speaks to every one of us and to every situation. There's no if here. There's no specific personality type or lifestyle that this works for. And so you might say this morning, well, you don't know my situation. And, and maybe I don't. But God knows Because he entered into our life and our every situation pouring himself out in the person of Jesus and now he can come and live inside of you by his Holy Spirit spiritually so that he's near to us, that he can comfort us and that he can save us from our thought patterns. He has overcome the world and he is greater who is in you Than he who is in the world. And you can get to know him today. This is why we're making space for more, so that there's a place for you here to come just as you are, with all of your brokenness and all of the things that haven't happened the way that you wish, and all of the ways that your mind just races and you can't get it to be still before God. What I love about this passage is how practical it is. It's the application of all, that this, all this stuff we've been talking about uh, in terms of neural pathways the last few weeks, uh, which is that when we think one way, it creates a pathway through the long grass, making it easier to think that way again. So this is the challenge to us here today, to actually put this passage into practice, to try it in every situation In every situation, pray and present your request to God and to practice thanksgiving, telling God what you need. If you are a follower of Jesus here today or you're watching online and you don't experience peace with God, then I've got three practical ways that you can do this. The first is to create a secret place Not to just go through the motions of the Christian life or just to seek God when things are so terrible and then not come back to him again, but to actually go and close your door behind you in a room where you pray and you present your requests to God. Because not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but it changes the chemistry of your brain, which means that the more you pray, the easier it is to pray. And I would suggest writing your worries down. I find this really helpful. And then you can cast them onto God who cares for us in our worries. You can cross them out or you can screw them up. You can set them on fire. But, <laughs> but you, can, you, can, you can give those worries over to God in a tangible, practical way. The second thing is with thanksgiving. And, and you need to know that this is a heart attitude. This takes intentionality. This is a choice And so you can ask God in this time, in this secret space that you can create with him to help you to develop an attitude of thanksgiving. And thirdly, if you're being shaken by the world, then get into the word. This is what we've been saying the last few weeks, because his truth overcomes the lies which steal your peace. And so our encouragement to you is to make this a priority as a first resort, not, not after you've tried everything else, as a last resort. And then God promises that if you do these things, he gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? Lance said last week, you can't find a supernatural peace outside of a supernatural God. This is a peace that is not measured or determined by our circumstances working out the way that we want. We have a peace even though, in spite of our circumstances, that the world would look at and that we would look at and we would go, wow, this is, this is terrible pain, grief, loss, disappointment, stress, difficulty, illness, so many things in life that it would make sense that worry would be the obvious thing for us to experience in the midst of all that. But in this passage, it says it's a peace that goes beyond understanding so that when people look at us, it causes them to ask questions and so that we can say, it is well with my soul because we know the one who carries our soul. Life used to be tiring for the body, But comfortable for the soul. Life today is comfortable for the body, but tiring for the soul. In this passage, God does not say that He will answer every request the way that you want it. He says He will give you peace. And I think this is because He knows what you need, even though we think that we need something different. And actually, church, this is spiritual warfare. If you do these things and we cultivate this peace of God which he promises will enter into our lives and guard our hearts and minds, it's spiritual warfare because it's very hard to tempt peaceful people, but very easy to tempt exhausted, anxious people. The stuff that makes us worry, yes, it still gets in. Things still happen, but our hearts and our minds are guarded from staying in a place of worry as someone said in our life group this week. Now, my last two years on the surface have been anything but peaceful. I wrote a 20,000-word dissertation in three weeks, and in the middle of that, 3,000 words deleted themselves partway through whilst working full-time and running a business, Joe and I have moved three times, and our most recent living arrangement was with a newborn baby, two dogs, four adults, and one bathroom. So you can imagine the scenes. And then two days before Christmas last year, both mine and my wife's cars broke down on the same day, within a few hours of one another... And she called me to pick her up from the A27 as I was being towed by the AA to the offices here, and all I could say was, I'm so sorry, babe, but you are on your own. (laughs) And so I bought this new car, which I ended up spending thousands of pounds on, which broke down on the way home from buying it, got it into the garage, and paid some separate bills for the parts, but just the bill for the labor was 666 pounds, 60 pence, which I want to let you know I refuse to pay that because I'm not going along with the joke of the demonic assignment on this car. So I paid 667 pounds, and currently that car is waiting to be scrapped because it's broken down again and no one can fix it. And all of this on top of recent tragedy and grief that our family has been journeying through. So this has been a challenge. So I did laugh when I received the email from John that I'd be preaching on peace. And then again this week, I received an email from John to say that I'd be preaching on peace again at the end of the year, which I'm sure will be great, <laughs> but I've had no peace this week preparing a message on peace. So I went to the closest person that I know who exudes peace, not just the absence of stressful situations, but this peace that can only come from God despite their circumstances being very challenging. So this person is my wife, Jo, who has practiced this way better than I have, and she's done it so intentionally. She has prayed in that secret place, and she has been practicing thanksgiving whilst going through the darkest night of her soul. And she genuinely has a peace and a joy that can only come from knowing Jesus. So that when anyone looks at her and they knew her last two years, they might say, how does this make sense? And it doesn't. But God is peace. Amen. God is peace, but it's not just so that we live on the mountaintop or in a monastery. It's so that we become a people of peace. This is my second point. This is not just a self-help thing or having inner peace for ourselves. We cultivate peace with one another. Paul writes to the Ephesians, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So when we come to God and follow Jesus and then we interact with one another, we are called to continually be a people who resolve disagreements by exercising forgiveness, not holding grudges, thinking the best of one another so that bitterness doesn't build up. Peace happens in community. This is why we're making space for more, so that more people can find what you and I have and to become disciples who make disciples. This is how Jesus says that the world will know that God has sent his son, is when we love one another and have unity together. And so in a world where people are desperate for community because they're lonely, and desperate for value and meaning because they're looking in all the wrong places, and desperate for identity in a culture that elevates rights over responsibility, and to make sense of life because the stories that we're told don't make sense of our deepest longings for the way that life should be. The church, you and I, are the hope of the world because we're a people who share Jesus that everyone is searching for. And so all of us play our part in becoming a healthy community of peace so that we might be a presence of peace. We become people of peace to impact the world to tell a better story, the one which is true and points to the deeper reality of God desiring every person to turn back to him so that he can embrace them with the loving arms of a father, the one that we need. Jesus says to his disciples, "'Peace I leave with you. "'My peace I give you. "'I do not give as the world gives. "'Do not let your hearts be troubled "'and do not be afraid.'" Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. And in this world, as we live between the now and the not yet of the kingdom, we cannot fully escape our situations, the things that happen to us that we wish didn't. But our minds and our hearts can be guarded against the worry so that fear, when it comes along, is simply just a a signal to your body for you to listen to to negotiate with it, and to navigate life well by it, but no longer dictated by it, so that even if everything is not okay, we can say, I'm okay. It's a peace that he gives because the world cannot give it. And it's so that we do something with that peace. Our task is to administer it here on earth, and our world is one that needs a lot of peace. As I close, did you know that there's a scientific study which suggests that the part of your brain which processes anxiety and the part of your brain that processes Thanksgiving can't happen at the same time? Isn't that amazing? And I want to let you know that I have practiced Thanksgiving every day this week. And in the midst of my situations and my life and all of the stressful things that all of us come up against every day, I would say I've genuinely noticed, genuinely, that I've been more peaceful this week, even though...